Everybody's Talking with T, the talk show designed to engage, educate, empower, and encourage the community is on. Hello, listeners. This is Tanisha Baker, and I'm excited to kick off another edition of Talking with T. I'm bringing you nothing less than the best with the show design with you in mind. Today is January 11th, and if today is your birthday, you share it with your fellow Capricorns, R&B diva Mary J. Blige, country singer Naomi Judd, actress Kim Cole, basketball player Tony Allen, and actor Rockman Dunbar. On this date in 1985, Reuben Anderson was the first African-American appointed as a judge on the Mississippi Supreme Court. Today on the national calendar is National Milk Day and National Clean Off Your Desk Day. As mentioned last week, the theme for this month is Jumpstart January, and you will be encouraged each week to jumpstart your life by putting power into some actions that fuel your dreams. The tip for this week is to set realistic goals. For example, you don't want to set a goal to increase your earnings in one year from $25,000 to $100,000, although it can happen. It is more realistic to set a goal of just increasing your income with a job that pays more. Or you could set the goal of reaching an income of $100,000 by mapping out incremental steps. Instead of setting a goal to lose 50 pounds, Maybe you set a goal to lose 10 pounds. Once that's accomplished, you set another goal to lose another 10 pounds and so on. Setting realistic goals will give you a sense of accomplishment and the confidence to tackle bigger and broader horizons. So don't forget to jumpstart your January. Let's turn our attention to Trending News Jay's Way and the Crazy Chronicles as we welcome back Jay and Pam to discuss some recent headlines, but... Let's start with a little local news. And so just over a month ago, after a two-year contract extension, the Knox County School Superintendent, Mr. Jim McIntyre, has announced his desire to resign. The decision is pending, however, a one-year contract buyout. He says if this is approved, he will leave by July 8th. He stated, and I quote, the current political environment has become increasingly dysfunctional. And I, for one, would really like to know the ins and outs of what is behind that statement. Um, There are many people that are pro-McIntyre and many that are against him. I personally just, like, hate the breaking consistency for our school system. You know, once we get into a rhythm, it seems like somebody always leaves, somebody new's coming in. And so that always disrupts consistency whenever that happens in our system. But the new school board will come on board September 1st, and they'll have an opportunity to choose the new leader that they feel will best run our school district. Uh, Regardless of what people think of him as a leader, Knox County has recently received several accolades for improving student performance, as well as narrowing the achievement gaps. In fact, in August last year, the State Department of Education recognized six Knox County schools for topping the state in academic achievement and growth. So all of that seems positive, but I think a lot of the flack that he's getting is from the teachers because they have felt increased pressure regarding um, expectations and they've expressed some difficulties in trying to do their job under such stress. And also there's a quite strenuous evaluation process that's involved now in our school district. So I'm going to let this sit right here. 
and let the listeners weigh in with their opinions. But, Jay or Pam, do you have any opinions about – well, Jay, you're not in our district, but you know about changes in school systems because I know Memphis has had quite a bit. Um, right. But are there any opinions, you know, as far as this goes? Well, here's my take on the whole uh, situation regarding the resignation of Superintendent McIntyre. And I'm I'm looking at the situation on the other end of the state, so I don't know the ins and outs surrounding his sudden departure. I, I've seen the story posted on Facebook and in other uh, media outlets across the Internet, and I've been quite surprised because, you know, Knox County, like you said, has gotten several awards uh, for being one of the best-performing districts in the state. And uh, I really would be intrigued to know, how these politics are playing into his resignation because it seems as if education is becoming extremely political. And the contention that I have is if he has been at the helm of the district and the district has been very successful in the graduation rate from what I've seen, I think the graduation rate has gone up, what, to 90% almost? Yeah, yeah, it has. Which is quite an accomplishment. Uh, right. If the graduation rate has gone up and numbers of students uh, being proficient on the state test have increased, then that says a lot about his leadership. So the question now becomes, are we all about politics or are we about student results? And, exactly. Exactly. And at the same time, I would be interested to know what sort of strain that the teachers feel like that they're under Superintendent McIntyre's leadership, because I can definitely attest to how strenuous teaching can be. I can definitely attest to how strenuous the new evaluation system can be. And when how well your students perform on a state test determines whether or not you have a job the next year, I, I definitely know the feeling and I definitely understand the pressure. So I would be interested to hear from my fellow educators on the other end of the state, you know, what all have y'all had to endure because I definitely have some stories that I could trade with you, uh, both right. from my own perspective <laughs> and even from uh, many of my colleagues. I think that's one of the things that some people don't realize, that some of the things that are going on in our school system don't stem directly from his decision but are mandated by the state. And there are certain protocols and new expectations and guidelines for evaluations, guidelines for measuring achievement that he didn't create. Now, I haven't personally had any particular conflicts with his leadership. I do like that we're, as a district, are moving in the right direction, but I did find on our local um, TV station, WBIR.com, on their website, they posted the story, and they've also included several interviews with people who were for him and are kind of disappointed in his decision to resign and then those that were opposed to him. So I'm going to make sure that I include that on the web page and also um, list that on the Facebook page as well. So, Pam, you had something you wanted to add? Yeah, just the teachers that I have spoken with, I think their issue was about the, the quota you have to make with the state test, and they had expressed that they get, it takes away from them actually teaching what they want to teach because they're so focused on having to make this set percentage or set, you know, score, or they may not have a job. So I think that brings a lot of stress into it as far as their work inside the classroom. Right, and, you know, I can definitely attest to that. You know, I was an educator in the classroom for a while before I moved on to the current job I have now, and I really feel like one of my true callings was to be an educator. And I, even in what I'm doing now, 
and with this show, it all falls under the lines of educating. But when I look at what they have to go through now, I think that it would really take away the joy that I had for teaching. Um, I enjoy mm-hmm. educating without all of the extra stuff. And I do believe we have to hold teachers accountable because I've seen both the good and probably the worst or some of the worst in front of our children. And so somewhere there has to be a balance in holding teachers accountable but not making them so stressed out that they really can't be effective at their jobs either. So, yeah, it'll all come to light if we get a new superintendent and maybe things are different or in their perceptions better. I just don't know that that's going to happen. So, can I, um, can I, I, now, Tanisha, could you imagine them telling Mr. Barnett that he had to meet some type of quota? Bust the door down. <laughs> <laughs> but let me let me throw this out there though. Let me let me take let me uh, turn the conversation this way. I don't know what it looks like in Knoxville, but I know at least from my school that if I can if I can just turn the conversation this way, even my kids at my school are tired of this. Even something as simple as when we started back last week, I was, you know, giving my, as I like to call it, the state of the class speech, you know, we're in a new semester, and some of y'all, first semester was not a good look, so this is what she's do second semester. Oh, and by the way, we've got more tests coming up, and they start week after next. And in every class period, I heard groans, and then I oh, I'm tired of tests. I said, well, I'm about as tired of them as you are. But, you know, they're necessary for various reasons, and we just going to have to do the best that we can, and I'm going to make sure that I do the best that I can to make sure that you're prepared. You just need to make sure you hold up your end of the bargain. This whole testing thing is not just something that the district has come up with. It's on the state level, and it's even on a national level. So we just have to kind of ride it out and, like like I said, do the best that we can, and you make sure that you do the best that you can as students to be successful. If we have enough voices uh, that are speaking out, not just from an educator's perspective, from a parent perspective, and even from a student perspective, that would definitely, I think, add some sort of credence to reshifting our focus in education. Yeah, the testing is ridiculous. And let me speak, you know, I can speak from an educator's standpoint because, it takes away from some of those teachable moments when you feel so pigeonholed into the curriculum that you know is going to be tested on. And, in fact, as we have curriculum changes, sometimes we're not even sure what's going to be tested, but yet and still we have this curriculum. But I want to jump to a parent's point of view. So that's another whole stress level right there. I was reading a problem. I guess it was uh, last week, a math problem, and it said something like, and so my son's in fourth grade, so it said, a team scored 108 points, and I'm just going to do the best I can in recalling the details, but this team scored 108 points, Laura scored one-third of those points, Tiffany scored 22 points, and the rest of the team scored double the uh, amount that was remaining in overtime. And I was sitting there. It was fourth grade. Yes. That made my head And not hurt. only exactly. And so I'm reading it several times thinking, now, who, how did we get to overtime? And what were the points after this? <laughs> and then not only that, of course, and, Jay, you probably know this because I think this is statewide when we look at our new testing. And I want parents and, to be very aware that the testing now requires students to explain their answers. Yes. So it's not just. You know, knowing, 
Exactly. You can't just pick the answer. And even if you have some good sense of how to do the computations, you have to explain the reasoning and logic behind it. So that's one thing. And, in fact, I think I'll do um, before the next test or as we approach, really give some parents some more information on that just they have, in case they haven't picked that up from their schools or not aware. The other piece is that much of it is online, and eventually it's expected that all of it will be online. And my fear was that Colin would be looking for the letter Z and forget, you know, the answer to the question. And keyboarding skills will be very important as we move forward with this electronic testing. And so there are a lot of things that I think can prove to be barriers for our student success and not really reflect the quality of teaching nor learning through the assessment piece. Now, that's my two cents, but I'm, I'm wanting to see how it all plays out. So, Jay, I just want to make sure, because I think I'm correct, is your testing cycle similar as far as the expectations to eventually move to online and expect that they have reasoning as well? Yes, ma'am. Uh, matter okay. of fact, if, if all of the testing that we have done this year has been online, and logistics for doing the testing have been most interesting, to say the least. And I'm just going right. to say it like that, and I'm going to leave it right there. All right. So, again, I'm looking forward to some feedback as the listeners weigh in with their opinions. To get more details, you can visit www.talkingwitht.com and click on the link to today's show or check out the resources that are posted on Talking With TV or Facebook or Twitter. Let's move on to the Oregon Militia Group. Just to make sure we're all up to speed, about a week ago, a group of armed men took over a federal building in Oregon. This resulted in a standoff between them and law enforcement. So the group argues that the federal government has too much control, there are too many federal regulations, yada, yada, yada. And it's basically related to ranchers in that area that often have to depend on federal land for grazing permits and such. Now, the straw that broke the camel's back, I'm guessing, from what I've tried to piece together from the stories, was when a rancher and his son were sentenced due to an arson charge. So that coupled with, I guess, their other complaints led this group led by this guy named Bundy, who's evidently in a family of Bundys who have been known to um, have these protests and, and gather guys together or whatever. They have now gone in and taken over this property. And there are some other details that are fueled all this. And so I encourage you to either visit my web page or Google it because it's really just kind of twisted. But this story is a cross between, I think, the trending news and the crazy chronicles. I mean, it's hitting major headlines, but I still think it's crazy. So most recently, another armed militia group called the Pacific Patriot Network, they came and tried to join them and were turned away. So let me pause in the story to say I didn't realize that were, there were this many groups in our country. That's one thing. You know, did you all know that these, random uh, armed groups came to do protests? No. And no. when I first saw this story uh, break on the news and they said that it was happening in Oregon, I said, first of all, there are people living in Oregon who keep up this much fuss over land. And right. uh, like you mentioned a few minutes ago about the other group that, that came to, you know, kind of put their two cents in, you know, kind of help out on this situation. And the first group were like, no, nah, we don't need you. But the real gag is I was reading a a report, I believe it was on CBS News or some other media source, 
Uh, they had interviewed people from the original militia group or whatever. But then uh-huh. they flipped the script on the people, and they got one of the leaders of one of the Native American groups. He essentially said, well, I don't know why they're arguing over this land because it's not – it wasn't really theirs to begin with. It's really our land. So, you know, needless to say, I was over here tickled because this Native American guy, I don't know, you know, what group he was from, pretty much just laid it out there. And, again, when I first heard about the story, I said, now, if they're up in Oregon and they're arguing over these land, these, uh, the land and since the federal government is doing too much, it's probably only a matter of time before one of the Native American groups gets up and says, well, you know, hey, hello, we were here first. So right, you arguing over something that wasn't yours in the first <laughs> that, place. That, that really is not yours. So what you arguing for? And I was looking at it, and I was waiting for the National Guard to come out. Where's the tear gas? Where's the SWAT team? Because I've known people to be in peaceful protest, and they come out and try to protect the area. So I was just shocked that there was no police in sight. I kept turning on CNN and saying, well, maybe I missed it. You know, I was recording right. CNN. <laughs> So I'm not understanding why this was just, they just didn't go there to try to stop them from taking over the land that wasn't theirs anyways. Well, you know what? That question is lingering, I'm sure, in the minds of many Americans because most recently we've had several reasons to protest, some things going on in this country, but none have seemed to be quite as calm. Now, keep in mind, these are armed men that have taken over federal property. And right. so as we sit that there, you know, it really speaks to, and I try to be neutral. I'm not trying to fuel or instigate anything. You know, we bring the facts. We let people um, share their opinions. Some things are so blatant that they can't be ignored, and I think this is one of them. I think this is showing a very different response to one group in this country versus another, because I'm just saying Imagine us, okay, I'm going to get mad, and I'm going to get my crew together. We're going to get armed, and we're going to take over, let's say, what, Pam, what can we take over? We can take over the whole city-county building. Okay, we're going to take over the city-county building. All right. I'm going to bring my people from Memphis. Okay. Y'all going to tell me we don't need y'all Memphis. No, we ain't going to tell y'all that. Y'all come out. Oh, okay. So we gonna we gonna we gonna come out. So we gonna we gonna form a militia and we gonna take over the city county building. How many days do you think that's gonna last? Days. It won't even last hours. Hour. Exactly. So this has been going on for over a week, and they say they are not leaving. It's all. I'm telling you, it seems like a western movie. I'm not thinking this is real life. When I watch it on the news, it's like I'm watching you know some type of sitcom or some movie. I have to think, wait, this is really news, like this is really going on. And that's because they have left, they have left notes to their family saying that they are willing to die for this. There's a difference in us because y'all talk about dying. I'll be like, you know what, Tanisha, you know, I'm, I'm all happy for your cause, but boo, I'm not ready to die. <laughs> you go on home. I'm going to be at the city county building by myself. Because <laughs> Jay's going to be going back to Memphis. So am. They're going to be running back to Memphis. <laughs> <laughs> Let me say this about the land. And, and like I said, I encourage people to really find out some more of the details. It's just so much. But many of them are ranchers, so they make their livelihood from the land, whether it's herding cattle or whatever they do. And so when they have yeah. stipulations on that, I think that's a reduction in their ability to um, make money, raise their families, and so on. So that's one issue. 
And then this rancher and uh, his son that got the charge for setting a fire on the land, evidently they're thinking that the sentence was not fair. The sentence came down due to some kind of loophole that says there's a mandatory minimum sentence of five years if you set fire on some type of property or whatever that was. That made them mad. I mean, there's several things to it. But yet and still, you know, the bottom line is this armed group has taken over federal property and they're having a standoff like in the Wild West. And they said they're not leaving. So I'm wondering what's going to happen next. How are they going to force them to leave? Or are they just going to let them stay there forever? I mean, it has to be one way or the other. Well, if nobody's shooting up anything and they're just kind of sitting there chilling in the cut, I don't know. Well, that's the thing. To this point, there has been no violence. There has been no violence to this point. They're just walking around with their guns. But let me ask you this. Okay, so if I'm walking around with a gun, what does that imply? If I'm patrolling the perimeter with a gun, isn't that implying that I'm protecting this space with the intent to do harm or with the intent to shoot if you cross my path? Right. That but is, you that can't. But you can't play in the park with a toy gun. You know what? I'm not gonna go there. I'm gonna get upset all off script and everything. Never mind. Let me go on to the next story. You know, but it's I'm, gonna I'm, make. I'm, you know, I would mm. sip like Kermit, but my my glasses are a little empty. <laughs> there is no tea for this. <laughs> okay, so and I'm saying we get ready to move on to the next story, but I'm just as mad about this because this is the kid who killed four people in a car crash in which he was drinking and driving. He was given no jail time due to a term that I had never heard of before called affluenza. So basically, affluenza refers to the inability to understand consequences because of financial privilege. So this teen, his name is Ethan Couch, killed four people after stealing two cases of beer and testing positive for value. So he was then originally sentenced to some upscale residential treatment center that offered horseback riding, martial arts, massage, cookery, swimming, and basketball as a part of his treatment program. But some judge kind of stepped in, and they had another hearing, and so they sentenced him to a rehabilitation center at uh, North Texas State Hospital. And not only that, his family was ordered to pay over $1,000 a month because there's a sliding scale for treatment, and that's the maximum that any family has to pay. Once this all goes down, you can imagine the families of the victims were outraged, They filed civil lawsuits, and in fact, in the civil lawsuit, five out of six of the lawsuits, they were settled out of court. So we're going to fast forward. So all this happened a couple of years ago. Ethan was 16, so we're going to fast forward to this past December, in which Ethan posts a video of himself playing beer pong and partying. Well, someone leaked the video, and after he realized this video got out, he got scared. This behavior is in violation of his probation. And so once it was discovered... Ethan and his mother, they go on the run and become fugitives. This is where we cross from trending news to crazy chronicles. They're on the run. They go to Mexico. You know how they get caught? They order pizza. And so when the pizza delivery, that's what actually led to their discovery. But while they were in Mexico, it's reported that Ethan, who's now 18, spent $1,000 on drinks and lap dances at some strip club. So the mother... (laughs) Wait a minute. First of all, first of all, first of all, first of all. How far we get right back up? I'm going back up to the whole go down to Mexico, order pizza thing. Okay. Okay. So, you know, we were talking earlier about the shenanigans. Uh-huh. Okay. Mm-hmm. Most 
time when people do stuff like that and they leave the country mm-hmm. and they Down go the to another country to, you know, kind of hide out because mm-hmm. they have, 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 have turned have turned the whole United States out so now they're going to hide because they know if they come back across the border, it's curtain for them. Most times when that happens, they usually, you know, change their hair color, change their eye well, he color, did. Change, change their name, change their name, change their name. I don't know about that. I don't know about changing the name. Okay. So. Now, remember, he has affluenza. Maybe okay. his mother does, too. <laughs> <laughs> They don't have common sense. I joke with my with my students all the time, uh, and I tell them, I said, you know, if I ever leave the country, y'all probably won't know, you know, who I am because I'll have a whole new identity. You know, I'll get that old uh, nice little Michael Jackson on y'all and lighten my skin. I'll look like a different person. You know, cut my hair every time. So, you gonna cut cut your uh, cut your dreads off like uh, Stoney did and set it off? Oh yeah, y'all will not know me. I have a whole new name, whole new identity, whatever. So it would seem like to me, as my grandma would say, seem like to me they would have changed everything about themselves, hair color, eye color, you know, name and everything. So that when they got their little pizza hut delivered to the house, the delivery person would know that this pizza was for Ethan Couch and his mama. But oops, listen for being stupid. Jay, Jay, Uh you're not listening to me. You're not listening when I tell you they have affluenza. Yeah, that means that they don't care because they know they're going to be covered by that term. Oh, why is he getting off and he got the flu? I'm not understanding. <laughs> well, <laughs> right. I don't have I don't have affluenza. Well, I tell you what, we don't have it in the hood either. But you know what I'm thinking? If they can have affluenza, it's got to be some kind of term. So affluenza is based on you having too much money, right? Right. Well, it should be yeah. some kind of defense if you don't have enough either. Hood fluenza. Hood fluenza. Hood fluenza. That's what we need. Hood, hood fluenza. Right. So let me just finish this part of the story. So they were in Mexico. They're caught. The mother is being held in a Texas jail cell under a million dollars bond. Guess what? She's complaining about her accommodations. And they politely told her it was a jail and not a resort. But she said she doesn't like it there. And she didn't do anything wrong. Who likes jail? I'm just telling Anybody you. Anybody been to jail like <laughs> Well, she doesn't like the accommodations where her exact word. What's she, what's she want? The freaking red cross or something? Hell, it's <laughs> not supposed mean. to be a luxury. It, when I went to jail that one time, <laughs> I didn't like it either. For one, I don't like mayonnaise on my bologna sandwiches. <laughs> but you know what they told me? What what they tell you, Pam? You can either eat that, you'll be hungry. I don't drink milk with my with my sandwiches. I asked, do y'all have juice? They was like, no, we have milk, and that's it. That was the longest two hours of my life. I don't even <laughs> like bologna sandwiches. I don't like mayonnaise, and I can't drink milk. Earlier, I had a guy on my show talking about the realities of jail. You know, sometimes the media can portray it as something a little more glamorous than it is. But, you know, thinking about having a toilet in your cell that you use in front of God and everybody, that you're in this confined space with someone telling you what to do 24-7. I mean, like you said, for most of the general population, that is not what we can handle. And for those that are there, trust me, they won't out. There are not many people 
who find it as glamorous as it's portrayed on the outside if they're on the inside. I'm just still stuck on this whole affluenza, and I can't wait till somebody in the hood does something so that I can suggest to them that they use a defense. What's it called, Jay? Hoodfluenza. Hoodfluenza. That's going to be the new term. You know, this story isn't that old, so we're going to see what happens. But the father, let me just say, now she left the father. And she sent him a note that when they got ready to leave that he would never see them again. So I think he's in the clear. I don't think he really, you know, had anything to do with the escape or anything from all accounts. But, you know, a mother's love is pretty powerful. But she needs some type of reasoning with it, you know? She doesn't have one, yeah. like our son. Oh, that's right. That's right, because she has affluence. Never mind. Let's just move they on. Have she has affluence. They should have got the flu shot. Maybe they don't have the flu shots in Texas. Everything's bigger yeah. in Texas, too. Well, clearly. Well, well, hold on. Wait just a minute. I feel like this conversation <laughs> is taking a detour from the intended point. So um, let's let's just move on. I want to talk about the Powerball, okay? Let's talk about the Powerballs. If you want to talk about something big, let's talk about that. This upcoming oh, Wednesday. I have not won. I, well, I, I know I you had won because you... You on the phone with me, and I'm pretty sure talking with T would come to an abrupt close if either one of us had won. But we know you didn't win because no one won. And so this upcoming Wednesday, the Powerball will be at $1.3 billion. So let me explain how this works. The chances are pretty slim, but it doesn't keep us from dreaming. I know that. The odds are 1 in 292 million which is like flipping a coin and getting heads 28 times straight in a row. So I decided to test it out. And Come see, on, Tennessee. You know, Come on. You know, I couldn't help it. Yes, yes, yes. Yes. And the far, you, okay, so I flipped my coin. And I ran this test several times because I'm just hoping it's in my destiny to hit the Powerball. You know what? I couldn't get past flipping heads straight in a row three times. And... I'm right. thinking to flip it 28 times in a row, that's my chances. But I also say this, somebody's got to win. And, you know, your luck is just as good as mine. The thing about it, years ago I read a book called The Winner, and it really kind of made me fear for winning a huge amount of money because they talked about people that have won these large sums of money, the things that have happened to them. Now, outside of them going bankrupt due to poor money management or giving it all away to their cousins 16 times removed or whatever, a lot of them have faced danger. So they've had family members being kidnapped or they've lost their lives or the lives of someone close to them. It was just being more trouble than it's worth. And I thought to myself, there's no amount of money worth the safety of my family. That being said, some of my family members disagree. (laughs) <laughs> but for me, I thought that. So I thought, you know, there has to be a way for me to win the money and keep my family safe. And after a few hours of research, I found that there is. Now, of course, I can't share that reason with you because if I won, then you would know that I won and then defeat the purpose. Let's just say if you win, do some research and you will find out how to claim your money anonymously. Well, all I know is. If you win, Tanisha, you know, we go way back, way, 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 way back. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Y'all down to the ground before I, yeah, you know, and it's no fun being rich by yourself. But listen, now, we got to have a plan because everybody just can't walk off their jobs 
at 1202 at the same time without raising suspicion. So, you know, I can imagine people thinking, wow, talking with T is doing really well. We're going to take our chances. And I'm curious. Let's let's talk about what you would do if you won $1.3 billion. And I'd like for our listeners to get on our Facebook page or Twitter and let us know what they would do with $1.3 billion. Because that's a lot of money. You know, that's Oprah rich right there. Right. Yeah, yeah. And and you know what? Well, it's probably hard to hide one point three billion. But I doggone sure do my best. The way my life is set up, you know, the one thing I would definitely do with that one point three million is knock out some of these student loans, you know. What Sally you say? Sally May was yeah. to get her cut. Let me tell you, I said when I go to my grave, my tombstone is gonna read, Here lies Tanisha Baker and Sally May. Cause it seems like <laughs> <laughs> The payments go on and on and on and on. And partially that's my fault because you know how you can file for a little plan and you owe about $500,000 and you pay $22.30 a month. So. Right. The <laughs> <laughs> bad minute. You know. Yeah, yeah. So that's why I couldn't understand when they were doing all that rioting, you know, up there and, and selling May, you know, main headquarters. You know, or in Baltimore. Why did somebody burn that up? Yeah, yeah, that out. Uh, mm. Maybe that's the building. Maybe we should take over. Maybe we could find a militia group to take over Sally May. You know, yeah. I know at least five people. <laughs> so I five, five, five people at a damn. Tanisha, you get five people. Pam, you get five. People. I can probably get you fifteen, twenty, uh, and that's cool too. And you know, everybody else, we can just get folks on general principle. You know. Well, you know what? No, let's think this through. Let's think this through. Let's think this through now. I'm already just paying $22.30 on a million (laughs) dollars. It might not be be worth going to jail. You know, if we get up there and try to take over Sally Mae, the scene's going to look very different than the one in Oregon. You know, the, the, the militia in Oregon, they're all of a certain ethnic group. Exactly. That's why it's going to look different. Now, the dislike for Sally Mae crosses racial lines. Oh, you might be right. Well, let me just do this. Let me do this. If somebody hits the $1.3 billion, we're not asking for a big cut or anything. We just want you to pay somebody to go erase all the data on student loans from Sally Mae. If you can just pull the plug on that, that's like hitting the lottery for Mm -hmm. for probably at least half the country. So we would be very excited if you could just pull the plug from Sally Mae. Yes, and they can always use the affluenza excuse. That's right. I got affluenza, so I didn't know the data would be great. I didn't know there would be consequences. What? I didn't know there would be consequences. You know what? This all ties together. It all ties together. Well, Pam, you know, even though these stories seemed a little comical, I actually had pulled together a few things for the Crazy Chronicles. This has been a pretty good show, but I don't want to leave them out because it is so much news right now. We could go on for a marathon, but let me just start with the Crazy Chronicles and this story about a toddler who drives his motorized toy car onto a Florida highway. And so a number of drivers stopped to help him and they called 911 because they found him driving his little car. He on a T-shirt and a diaper. So the police arrived, and several of the cars that kind of created a barricade or a blockade around the boy so he wouldn't get hurt. Well, then the father comes, and he said he'd gone to the bathroom, and he came out to find that his son had managed 
to unlock the front door and escape. So he had been out in his neighborhood on his bike looking for his top. But this boy has gone three years old in his T-shirt and diapers and his little electronic car. And, Jay, you try to tell me hoverboards were dangerous. But anyway, this little boy took his car and drove out onto the Florida highway. We're not saying he just drove down to, you know, drove down the block. He went out on the highway with cars coming. Like, it could have been very, like, a very bad scene. Bad situation. He was smart enough to go out, unlock the door, go outside, get in his little truck, and go down the street and merge onto the interstate. You're right, because unless they live on the side of the highway, which maybe they did, I'm thinking a couple of things. One was what you said. Someone should have seen him prior to him reaching the highway. But the second one would be, if he's doing all this driving, does his little car run on gas? I mean, what battery lasts that long that you can drive from your house? I mean, this is a three-year-old's car, so it shouldn't be that powerful. Needless to say, now, of course, you know the Department of Children and Family Services are investigating because I guess they're saying, you know, he didn't watch his son close enough. But, you know, those little boogers are fast. I'm a witness. Yeah. I remember chasing Tyler down the street to the corner in his little electric car. <laughs> he was going to hit Brooks Road trying to go to stop and go and get him some chicken wings. Kids are fast, and when they have their mind set on something, they really don't know the consequences. And so you have to keep an eye out on them all the time. Well, I'm going to move to our last story of the Crazy Chronicles. And this story is about a gentleman named Walter Kavanaugh of Santa Clara, California. He holds the Guinness Book of World Records title of Mr. Plastic Fantastic. And he holds this title because he has 1,497 credit cards. So this adds up to about $1.7 million in available credit, and he's had this title since 1971. And the stats don't end there, so let me give you a little bit more. He has a custom wallet, which is the world's longest wallet. It stretches 250 feet, weighs 38 pounds, and although it can only hold 800 of his many cards, he holds that record as well. And he says, you know, he doesn't carry them around, but it all started with a bet that he had with a friend almost 50 years ago, that whoever could collect the most credit cards by the end of that year would win a dinner. And so at that time, he won the bet. He had 143 credit cards. His friend has 138, and I guess he just kept it going. Actually, according to the data I read, 29% of Americans don't have credit cards at all. About a third of us have one or two, and then it says only 7% have seven or more. So I'm just trying to figure out what would you do with almost 1,500 credit cards. And I also know that he does not have a relative by the name of Tanisha Baker. (laughs) He doesn't have a relative by the name of Jay Lawrence either. Or Pam Campbell. Okay. All right. Okay. So all I need to know is where does he live and what kind of cards does he have? And number three, can I be a co-signer on... Any of them. And can he rent me you a car what? next weekend? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, no. Give me a washer and dryer or something. <laughs> what? I know that's right. I'm and can saying. he use that credit card to pay off our student loan? That's true. Yeah. <laughs> he could. 
Well, listen, y'all, you know, it's time to wrap up uh, our segment of Trending News and the Crazy Chronicles. I know we could go on and on, but I can't wait, as usual, to next week to hear what you two have to say. And I can't wait to tell it. And you know I'm going to say it. All right. Last week and some weeks prior, we have discussed Mr. Bill Cosby. This week, we're going to turn our attention to Marcus Carmen and conversations with Carmen Sense and his take on the whole Bill Cosby situation. Keep it where it's at. I'll be right back after conversations with Carmen Sense. Okay, now I just think it's time to just be real about this Bill Cosby situation. What is happening right now is that these are allegations. Allegations mean someone said that this situation happened. It could or could not have happened. I think what's happening is that people are choosing to empathize um, in this situation, I'd say, with the woman a lot more because it's happened before and women have not been uh, heard out. And I can understand that. However, that doesn't make it right. You know, just because I empathize with you and I want to give you the benefit of the doubt doesn't mean necessarily that you're telling the truth. It just means that you've convinced me or you've got my empathy. And I think we need to separate the two. He's just now gone to court. And the person who accused him of sexual assault in 1965, guys, let's really think about this. Now, before we stated that people were saying that, hey, this is in the 70s and 80s, mind you. He's such a powerful person, we didn't want to go against him. These are Caucasian women we're talking about. However, it's 2016, guys, and they're able to take him to court 40-something years later. Now, if that's not a show of power or a show of lack of intimidation, I don't know what is. And let's really put stuff into context. Because one of the things we have to be careful of, uh, and I, I know to myself, is just not to take things out, out of context. This is the 70s. We're talking about partying. We're talking about the drug era. We're talking about free love here. And now we're also talking about a young Bill Cosby, handsome, athletic I'm sure women were attracted to him. Uh, I mean, he was a celebrity. I'm just saying that it's not far-fetched for these women to have all messed around in, in Quaaludes and have all messed with it because that was the era. The era was the party era. Uh, but then again, this is just my hypothesis because like yourself and like all the listeners out here, you know, I wasn't there. We, we don't know. It's really word versus word. And this is 40 years plus. And the timing, the timing when it was rumored that Bill Cosby was looking to purchase uh, NBC and, and make another network, maybe something positive for, um, for, for black viewers. Here, here, this comes right here. You know, maybe I am a bit of a conspiracy theorist, as people joke and say. But, hey, I'm just saying that the timing is a little bit, you know, it's something that really stands out to me. The excuse of saying that we wouldn't have believed them in the 70s, I, I think that's preposterous. When you think about a white woman's word, honestly, especially during this time in the 70s, a white woman's word against a black man, it don't matter how famous of a black man you were in the 70s, that would have took any black man down. I mean, we're talking about a time when they were still finding black men hung and from trees and things. You know, we had to be realistic about this and to say, were you really that intimidated and you really didn't think no one would believe you because he was a powerful black man in the 70s? Like, that's just something to, you know, consider before people just jump on the empathy wagon on both sides. I mean, he, he could, maybe he, he could have done something. This is the thing. I'm not even... People say, oh, you're a Cosby empathizer. And, and one thing I can say is, you know what? Uh, the Cosby Show, I don't know for others, but the Cosby Show did show me a positive image of a black family on television that wasn't fighting 
you know, that wasn't struggling. You know, it's not realistic because they didn't struggle and they gave their kids allowance. How is this not realistic? You get to frame your world. So the fact that people think that's not a realistic image to me, that's a slight against how they're seeing things. Like, why can't that be realistic? What's Why are you closing your world up and not thinking that that's the possibility? And I think he's come under fire for being critical. Oh, Bill Cosby's critical. He's said this, that, and the third about black people, you know, in particular, how things need to change up. Not everything he said was wrong, you know, and people are punishing him. And, you know, colleges are giving back their scholarships. You know, they're giving back their scholarships. They're giving back their honoraries there. But my whole thing is, why don't you give back them checks that he gave while you at it? But we're not going to go there. My whole charge is just that, guys, who knows? Like, we really don't know. And we're assuming that, you know, based off of empathy, more, it's been it's been over 40 women, right? And he just got the court. And the one that he tried against, they said there's no proof. And, in fact, when she said it happened at the Playboy, uh, at the Playboy party, he was in a, a whole nother state. Mind you, we're talking about a girl who was 16 years old. No, let's, not, nobody wants to ask the obvious questions. Why are you 16 in the Playboy mansion kicking it? I'm just asking. Why are you kicking it with Hugh Hefner? Hugh Hefner. And if, you know, there's supposed to be a Cosby. So you wasn't kicking it with Bill. So if you were there, you were kicking it with Hugh Hefner. But Hugh Hefner hasn't gone in the fire. I'm just saying. It's just really, really interesting to me how they're just trying to destroy Bill. And this is not legally. This is not evidence things. These are allegations. And I think people have to realize these are allegations. I love the attorney he has right now, Miss Presley. I think she is definitely about her business. She knows what she's on, man. And she's not holding back for these folks. You know, she's calling out the obvious. These women are talking about from the, the 70s when they were partying. When Mr. Cosby was partying with women. I mean, everybody partied. You know, can I say he's he's a rapist because, you know, he partied with women and they, they had party drugs in the 70s when that was prevalent? I, I can't say that. I can't say he didn't. We don't know. We don't know. And I think it's the fact that we don't know these allegations are 40-something-plus years old. But it's crazy because there are celebrities who, you know, are on tape doing things, are on tape violating young ladies and those type of things. And people are still listening to all their music and, and bumping them and supporting them and acting like these people haven't done anything as well. So I think it's really crazy that, you know, Bill Cosby's shows have gotten pulled, the Cosby shows pulled out of rotation. You know, this guy, we're talking about a guy who, you know, was the first ever African-American Acted a star in a major TV role as the lead. This in I Spy in the '60s, and I think people forget about that. This is Mr. I Spy, Mr. You know, Fat Albert. No matter of fact, when he gave his dissertation for his doctorate, his dissertation was about how Fat Albert and the kids could be used uh, as a tool for education. And he really did want to make a change, and I think people need to not be really, really quick to judge. You know, and realize, let's let the courts handle it if that's what it's about. And right now, he's 1-0 if this is what we're talking about. If they want to take it there and defame uh, Mr. Cosby, right now, he's he's 1-0. Right now, this young lady, uh, they couldn't even press charges. And I mean, my whole question is, how many more? It's not the only person who's lied. You can't remember. I'm not downplaying rape by any means necessary. I'm saying before you accuse someone of such a strong crime or such a strong serious accusation as sexual assault you got to bring some proof you can't just say what you want to say because that's how you feel like it. it doesn't make it right just because because you feel like it. that's how i feel okay 
who cares is how you feel? I mean, that's great that you feel that way. But that doesn't mean it's the truth. It's just how you feel. This is about the truth. Let's get down to the truth. And as of right now, the young lady who said he assaulted her in the Playboy Mansion, she's been proven uh, as a liar. She's been proven wrong. Now, once again, that's somebody who obviously tried to defame him. Now, let's think about this. This is this man's name. There are black people I know, they kind of champion the fact that he's fallen. Like, you know what? Well, he deserved that. You know, no one told him he wanted to be so critical of black people. You know, the things that he said about the community and critiquing us. Now they're like, yeah, now it's his time. He gets it now. That's what you get some payback. Now he's, he's suffering. He's going through. Really? Are, are we really mad at the man for pointing out some things that are poisonous, particularly in our community? Really? How can we really cast him down for trying to encourage some positivity, trying to encourage a change? I think that's a really odd mentality when we were ready to, to bash him for wanting us to kind of do better. For wanting us to step up. What's the trouble in that? It shows like the college show why I wanted a good family. Or at least wanted to strive towards that idea of that family that was together. And that wasn't divorced. And you know those things. And I understand situations where some people have to go through you know, divorce. Um, you know, for, for the best in those situations. But as a child who was a product of divorce, you know, I think that it would have been nice to have both the parents there working together, raising the family completely. I think that would have been, been great. Shows like Different World. Different World gave me, a young brother from, you know, in the ghetto, a chance to look at things different, to see the world. I grew up in Southeast D.C. You know, you step out onto your porch and, you, and your neighbors are fighting each other. You, you know, you're playing ball and they see no shots ring out. And I know we we kind of have a pride about that because we're like, no one's going to talk down about us. And I feel that and I'm with that. But I don't understand how we're angry when someone calls it out. Like, we should want it to change. We shouldn't want to be surrounded about death. We shouldn't want to be surrounded about poverty. I just think that casting him down because he has a, a strong opinion you know, about some obvious issues, you know, they say the truth hurts. So I, I don't really know. Let the, let, let the laws do what they do. Let the evidence come out, you know. Let the lawyers do their job, what they went to school for. Show me the proof. But there, there is no proof. We have had a very full show today, and I truly appreciate your support. Talking with T is looking to reach new milestones this year, and we can't do it without you, the listener. Please continue to stay engaged by visiting www.talkingwitht.com and following the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Periscope. You can also subscribe to Talking with T Daily to get your daily scoop of trending news. Don't forget to nominate a hometown hero or top team, and we welcome suggestions for topics on what you would like to hear on Talking with T. We're looking to grow bigger and better in 2016. You can keep up with events and news local to Knoxville, Tennessee, including community celebrations and a community calendar, by regularly visiting the Talking with T webpage or visiting www.thevillageofknox.com. I am always looking for positive events to post to the Village calendar that will engage or educate the community. Please reach out and share any items you wish to be added to the calendar, as well as positive news, stories, events, or celebrations, so that I may keep the community of Knoxville, Tennessee, informed through this platform. On that note, I'll end with a quote. When you stay in your own lane, there is never any traffic. Remember where you heard the word, keep the peace until next week, you've been talking with tea.